It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We're tying a bow on the 2023 season by ranking the best rookie classes from the 2023 NFL Draft. Let's get it. This is Renner Ranks, the ultimate NFL ranking show. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into today's episode of Renner Ranks, your go-to daily ranks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And a special shout out to those everydayers out there. Don't forget, subscribe, like, follow on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. I, of course, am Mike Renner, your host, NFL draft analyst at large. And today's podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150. If your bet wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. All right, the best rookie classes. Got to do the top five here. I think we all know who number one is. If you watch the NFL awards ceremony, that one seems pretty obvious. However, I want to explain my methodology first. It is still based off of pick value, expected value. So if you have three first rounders, you have a high expected value from your rookie class. If you have no first rounders, you have a low expected value from a rookie class. And now that's about as scientific as I can get in it because there's really no quantifying it past that, right? In a meaningful way, even though back when I was a PFF, we tried doing things like that. It never quite works. But you have an expectation that a guy who's drafted 100th overall, if he's a solid player, is more of a win than if you get a guy at number two overall and he's a solid player. This is not talking about this draft class at all. It's just saying obvious facts about expectations compared to where guys are drafted. All right. With that out of the way, let's get to a couple honorable mentions here. And the one honorable mention that definitely fits that bill of you had high picks. You were supposed to hit on them is the Seattle Seahawks. Devon Witherspoon, home run, number five overall pick. Your slot corner there, awesome. One of the best slot corners in the NFL. You do that pick 10 times out of 10 and redo. Jackson Smith and Jigba, very solid down the stretch. A great piece to that offense. No regrets there at pick 20. A good haul for the Seattle Seahawks. After that, I mean, Zach Charbonnet, I like him. Is he... A great pick, 52 overall. Not necessarily. Anthony Bradford played some snaps. The guard, pick 108. Probably win to get anything out of pick 108 uh, at any point. So, good haul. An expectedly good haul. So, doesn't crack the top five. But kudos, John Schneider. Maybe on back on his heater ways. We'll see this upcoming draft class. The two teams that I think could very well be in this mix in a couple of years. But... Too early to save right now. Tennessee Titans. Obviously, Will Levis outplayed what your expectations would be for the 33rd overall pick. As a rookie at a quarter, at the quarterback position, they're going to give him another year in this trial run. Looks like a good pick. Too early to say to put him in the top five. Peter Skaronsky, probably the best rookie guard for my money. But as a guard, pick number 11 overall. Tajay Spears looks awesome. Definitely gives you a nice transition plan going from Derrick Henry to him. 
Third round running back, though. That's fine. Pick 81, that's where you draft a running back, right? So good class. Too early to say if it's top five class. Indianapolis Colts, another team where obviously we don't get to see much of Anthony Richardson after that injury. He suffered to his throwing shoulder early in the season. Early returns, very good, though, from him. Juju Brents started down the stretch for the Colts, made some splash plays. Too early to say, though. Josh Downs, I think, easily a hit from that draft class. Looks like one of the better rookie wide receivers, one of the better slot receivers already. There's a hit, but those are your top three picks. And two of them are still like some TBDs at valuable positions. So too early to say, but two classes that I like, liked at the time, like now, but they don't crack the top five because these five draft classes that made the top five are pretty nasty, if I do say so myself. So let's get right into it. Number five, Detroit Lions. This may offend some, but because everyone's raving and ranting and raving over this Lions rookie draft class, but to me... Again, this goes back to the value aspect. They had four top 50 picks. Six top 100 picks. You better get a haul when that's the case, right? You better hit. And they obviously exceeded expectations, right? That's why they're on this list at number five. Let's go through the ones that are the big money makers for them. Jameer Gibbs was pick 12. Now, they originally uh, were at pick six overall, traded back to pick 12 to get Jameer Gibbs and picked up number 34 overall, which ended up being Sam Laporta, which was the crown jewel of this Detroit Lions draft class. So that has to be factored in that trade back, which was awesome value for them, which in retrospect, the Cardinals did not get criticized enough in the moment for that because they had already pulled off that nice trade, I thought, to move back from number three to get a future first rounder from it. But then they end up giving up number 34 overall just to move back up to get Paris Johnson, which didn't make any sense in my mind, for where they were. And I think in retrospect, they would have loved to be have number 34 overall in that draft class. There was a lot of good players that came off the board in that range, and they just threw that pick to the wind to go get Paris Johnson, who wasn't even the best rookie tackle, in my eyes, from this class. So Cardinals aren't making this top five, though. Detroit Lions are. Jameer Gibbs pick, well, I'm not going to debate it too hard. You know my thoughts on this. It's a running back at number 12 who wasn't even a starter for the Lions. It was a luxury pick for a team that still has needs defensively. That still was not obviously in the Super Bowl this year because of that defensive side of the ball. And now Jameer Gibbs obviously played a role in getting him to the NFC Championship game in the first place. But it was pick 12. And I think down the line, I still think they'll regret it. But 945 yards from him, 10 TDs on the ground. Surprisingly ineffective as a pass catcher, only six yards, just over six yards per reception on the year. 52 catches, but only 316 yards on them. Less than one yard per route run and actually had five drops in the year. So a little odd there. Thought we would see more from him in that regard if he wasn't going to be, you know, the bell cow in that offense. But obviously the talent still there. He's the guy is still one of the most dynamic running backs in the NFL. That much is clear. Jack Campbell pick 18 was the one that at the moment at the time I was like, this one just didn't feel like it was necessary. If you're going to go running back, well, then don't follow it up with a linebacker. Take more, maybe more of a bigger swing. And Campbell, obviously, doesn't really start. Uh, plays more of the second half of the year, but still not a three-down guy. PFF graded him with a 43.9 coverage grade. That one, it's a rookie linebacker, though. I'm not going to write him off. It's the hardest position on defense to transition to year one, in my opinion. Now, the second round, this is where it catches fire. Sam Laporta, 
86 catches, 889 yards, 10 touchdowns, 11 broken tackles. Perfect for that offense at tight end. A legitimate upgrade from TJ Hawkinson. Brian Branch, pick 45, 11 PBUs, three picks as a rookie, a force, probably their best run defender on the second level of their defense as a slot corner for them. Awesome. As good a round two as you'll see in a draft class. And so for as much as I was critical of their round one, their round two was an absolute unmitigated home run. Third rounders remain to be seen. Hendon Hooker obviously doesn't see the field as a rookie, the Tennessee quarterback. Roderick Martin, Western Kentucky DT, plays only 28 snaps despite being 24 years old already. So that one remains to be seen, not encouraging early returns, but a great foundation setting, not another foundation setting draft class for the Detroit Lions. They put together one more of those, and now obviously they don't have near the capital that kind of got them in this situation with the Penny Sewell, then the Aiden Hutchinson than this past year, not having that work with that draft capital, but the track record of GM Brad Holmes now is, I mean, it's John Schneider esque to start his career, right? John Schneider went on one of the biggest draft heaters of all time from when he was hired in 2010 through, how was it like 2013 draft or maybe 2012 draft, just unbelievable run. That's where Brad Holmes is right now with the Detroit lions. All right. Number four, and this team edges them out just a little bit. It's the Green Bay Packers, division rival. And it's more the volume that the Packers brought in in this rookie class because they got, uh, let's just go through it here. Lucas Van Ness at pick 13, obviously still too early to say with him, he was always a project coming out. I think the pure athleticism and power played, the guy just needs moves. The guy has no pass rush moves, saves life. That's going to be a big thing to follow in his career development. Luke Musgrave at pick 42, encouraging start to his career tight end. His ball skills need work. He's not great after the catch, but he is, man, the guy is explosive as a receiver, a big play weapon. Be interested to see how they handle the tight end group next year because they also got Tucker Craft to pick 78, who when he was in, I'd say he was necessarily better than Musgrave, but the offense was definitely better. And I think he was much more of a yak weapon than Musgrave ever was 31 catches for him, 355 yards, very encouraging start for those, both those tight ends. But then the best pick of this draft so far was easily Jaden Reed second rounder pick 50, the wide receiver, 64 catches, 793 yards, eight touchdowns, their best wide receiver at the moment, in my opinion, with, you know, he's going to be a slot. He's not going to be like an outside guy, but they use that in their offense. He's there screen guy, their pop pass guy, their jet sweep guy, whatever it is, when the ball's in his hands, he has that nose for getting up field and creating plays. I don't know if he's ever going to reach your, you know, some super high highs at the position, but he's a very nice, I'd call him like a number two in an offense, a very high end sort of looks like projects to be like a high end number two uh, in an NFL offense. The other guy though, that deserves mentioning in this class, Dontavian Wicks. Fifth round wide receiver is the year of fifth round wide receivers, but Dontavian Wicks out of Virginia drops down boards because he runs a four, six, two, and is not a deep threat even still in this Packers offense, but man, his releases, his route running, he's got that wiggle to get open. That's necessary through 39 catches, 580 yards, four tutties, 
nine broken tackles, a legitimate separator. You know, we went into the season saying who is going to be a guy that you can go to on third downs. I think Reed and Dontavian Wicks can be those guys, uh, truthfully, going forward. So that's why uh, the very encouraging signs towards the end of the year from both Reed and Wicks. That's why the offense really turned it around. And then Carl Brooks, my guy, if you'd heard me talk about him during draft season, falls all the way to 179, 25 pressures as a rookie. Probably still never going to be more than a third down package guy. But to get that at pick number 179 for a guy to produce like that he did as a rookie, that's a W. That is a W. And then I also should mention Carrington Valentine, Anthony Johnson Jr., two guys who started at corner and safety respectively for them. And Johnson Jr. truly might even start next year for them at safety. So to get even production that wasn't necessarily liabilities in the seventh round, Talk it up as W, a very deep but very good Packers rookie class. And before we get to the top three here, today's podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And number three, I debated between three and four here. But I didn't, one, want to be called a homer by putting the Packers too high. I think they're in a good spot. And two, I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers, who I have at number three, just have a little bit more high-end potential from their draft picks this season. We'll start at number 14. Broderick Jones was their first rounder. Remains to be seen. He takes over as a starter midway through this season. They kind of flipped him around between right and left tackle. I think he's obviously now, I think, slotted in to play right tackle. Going forward, which is where he finished the year, Dan Moore on the left side. I don't love that idea of flipping them. I think he looked better on the left side. It was a first round pick. Dan Moore was not, but I'm not running Pittsburgh Steelers. So we'll see how he develops in year two. But I thought the encouraging signs from him were when he was at left tackle, right? So uh, at right tackle did not fare nearly as well. But still in the running game, either way, a guy that his explosiveness jumped out on tape immediately. So still potential there long-term to be a starter, but the real meat of this draft class heats up after that fact. When we get to pick 32, Joey Porter Jr., not technically a first-rounder despite being picked 32. The pick they got from the Chicago Bears for Chase Claypool, so icing on the cake there for them, and man, he was good as a rookie. Now, maybe not as good as his stats suggest. 45.3 completion percentage against, only 352 yards allowed all season long, but he was 
darn good. Like at the line of scrimmage, the press coverage translated immediately. Can't believe he wasn't starting until week eight, but when he did start for them, defense improved with him in the lineup. So Joey Porter Jr. looks like a long-term starter for the Pittsburgh Steelers at this point. And the other guy who should be a long-term starter, but couldn't barely even see the field for them as a rookie, Keanu Benton, pick 49, defense tackle out of Wisconsin. Didn't he play, like I said, didn't he play 500 snaps? But for my money, just like on tape, I would take him as the second best defensive tackle in this class after Jalen Carter going forward. Now, Kobe Turner probably had a better rookie season. We'll get to him in a second. But I think Brock, said Brock Jones, Keanu Benton has more of an NFL translatable or just like NFL projectable body. He's younger and is already super disruptive or is already bringing the juice as a pass rusher. We'll see if he plays more this upcoming season. But man, very encouraging first year from Keanu Benton. Like I said, I, I think in a redraft, that guy goes like top 15 or 20 and fell all the way then at pick 49. So massive W there. And then the other guy who struggled to see the football field, but man, every time he did, he made plays was Nick Herbig, the Wisconsin outside linebacker, a guy that I kept banging the table for during draft season and only 191 snaps, but finished with an 80.7 PFF grade on those. And obviously with Alex Highsmith, with TJ Watt in the fold, he he doesn't profile to see the field that much, but I do think with Watt's injury history, you're probably going to want to sub a little more with how good Herbig is or just like how effective he can be just to keep all those guys fresh. I think we will see more of him going forward. And I think we'll see an effective dude because he was really young coming out and it was already productive. I think there's a lot more development to be had for a guy like that going forward. Number two, Los Angeles Rams. They had one of the best pick-for-pick drafts that I've seen. Now, obviously, they're not number one in this list because we'll get to number one and discuss why. But compared to what they came in draft capital-wise, and I'll just read you off the picks they had. They had 36, 77, 89. Those are their only three picks in the top 125. If you have... 36, 77, 89. If you come away with one starter, one quality starter and one role player, you're happy, in my opinion, with a draft. Like that's like, that's an average to above average draft is one quality starter and one either like adequate starter or high end role player. That's just like what you expect from those picks because it's difficult outside the top 25 to find dudes. And Here's what they got, though. Even And they do, obviously, the Rams' whole strategy, loading up on those day three picks. Paid off for them, we'll say, in this draft. Because 36 overall, they go Steve Avila, TCU guard. Right up there with Peter Skaronsky, in my opinion, for the best guard, rookie guard in the NFL. Yeah, I guess rookie guard in the NFL. And, you know, if you said he was better than Peter Skaronsky, I'm not going to argue too much with you. He's just darn good for a rookie. I I think you've got a potential pro bowler on your hands there at left guard after him, Byron young at 77 edge rusher, 50 pressures as a rookie spark plug sort of dude, just wildfire off the edge. Very impressed by him. And while he's about to turn 26, he was a guy who hadn't played much football. And so I do think there could be more development to him than your average 26 year old pick 89 Kobe Turner, 
top five guy in terms of rookie of the year voting, defensive rookie of the year. The guy had nine sacks, 48 pressures as a rookie DT. Dude was awesome. And now he is about turn 25. He may not have some more developmental potential in the tank, but I don't really care. He's already a, he's already a dude. Obajar was awesome as a rookie, man. Ah, I loved him coming out. I think I had, so he falls pick 89. I think I had him somewhere in the sixties on my board. Regrettable. I worried about the frame. I mean, it's such tight frame, but he just beat dudes up at Wake Forest and at James Madison before transferring. So home run of the first three picks there. And then, oh, by the way, Puka Nakua, one of the biggest draft steals of all time, all the way down at 177 overall, breaks the rookie receiving record, 1,486 yards, 105 catches, 2.59 yards per out run. Puka was, is, He's just an awesome possession wide receiver, right? I mean, he's just so savvy, strong, good after the catch, faster than I remember at BYU, stronger than I remember at BYU. I mean, he's he didn't put up these numbers at BYU, heck. So <laughs> better in every way, shape, or form. But the Rams fans aren't complaining. That was that's just not supposed to happen, right? Wide receiver, you go back through the annals of thousand yard wide receivers. And there's a steep cutoff after the third round. Those guys don't exist often. The Amon Ross St. Browns of the world, the Julian Edelmans of the world are often like slot receivers getting it done. And now Puka obviously plays a little in the slot, but he's not a just slot receiver that fell to day three and then produced. He's just a darn good wide receiver, man. So Los Angeles Rams, whew, that's how you make the playoffs with a barren roster is having a rookie class that talented, that impactful that the Rams had this past year. All right, before we get to number one overall, this broadcast is brought to you by Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. It's the only app that lets you view the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All-in prices show your total up front so you know you're getting a great deal before you check out, and you can buy tickets in seconds with two taps. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWN for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account, redeem code LOCKDOWN for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And the number one, it's the Houston Texans. You guys knew this. You don't get the O-Roy and D-Roy in a class and not get number one. And I get they're two and three overall. But two and three overall does not ensure O-Roy, D-Roy. Does not ensure... Future franchise, not future franchise, current franchise quarterback with high-end sort of potential. It does not ensure 
high-end pass rusher with all pro potential in pick 69 does not ensure the wide receiver that tank Dell was as a rookie 47 catches 709 yards in only 10 games before unfortunately breaking his fibula in week 13 now i'm saying a size that is a bit of an injury risk the smallest wide receiver in the nfl outside of tutu atwell but 2.22 yards per route run after tutu there is very impressive he was darn good so those three picks yeah, that's a franchise-altering draft. And as for as much as I love the Rams Hall, and for as insane as it was given their draft capital, the Texans is still more insane. It, just because you're not supposed to get what could be, and I'm not going to like say it, but like a possible Hall of Fame quarterback and a possible Hall of Fame defensive end in the same draft. That just like does not exist. I'd be interested, I haven't done the study, go through and see if anyone's ever done that. I mean, even if it was, it was probably like 50 years ago and I definitely wasn't alive, right? So that's that's what the Houston Texans got. So yeah, they paid a little price. It's their They paid their first rounder this year to get it. They had some draft capital to play with and they, when you make those bets, you better hit. They rolled the dice, came up sevens. Seven's good. It came up sevens. And the Houston Texans had an absolute haul. Now, Juice Scruggs at 62, not quite as big of a hit, but they switched him to left guard from center where he played in college. Was not as good there. 47.5 PFF grade. You got 459 snaps, forgettable ones, albeit, from Henry To'o. To'o, the fifth-rounder linebacker there, but I don't really care, right? The rest of the class, they could get cut tomorrow, and this would still be the number one class from the 2023 NFL draft. There you have it. Your top five. Tomorrow we're doing the bottom five. We have to give some equality of analysis, even if I don't like to skew negative. I'll skew positive when I talk about this awful classes that we're going to see on tomorrow's episode. Very excited to talk about it. Until then, you've been listening to Renner Ranks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team, every single day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.